I am a watchdog. I, I'm keeping my eye on it, and and I'm I'm uh, more than just watching. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to insert myself in the conversation without having a any. I'm not part of a group, and I'm not elected. But I found that there are avenues um, via which you can make your voice heard, and and I enjoyed going to as many common council committee meetings and, and county board meetings as I could. And meeting the people face to face and taking the opportunity to get in their shoes and, and see what's important to them because I want them to pay attention to what's important to me. Bridge the city, whoa, whoa. Bridge the city, yeah. Bridge the city, yeah. Gotta bridge the city, the city. Bridge the city, whoa, whoa. Bridge the city, yeah. Bridge the city, yeah. Gotta bridge the city. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas to inspire Milwaukee to action, and my name is Sam Woods. I'm Casey O'Hollick, and on this episode, we speak with Paul Mazina. If you are wondering who that is, so was I about maybe three, four months ago, pre-COVID time. I was in a community and economic development committee meeting at the Common Council, the City of Milwaukee Common Council, listening in, and before the meeting... Paul Mazina walked in and the alders were sitting up talking to each other um, and they saw Paul and I think maybe Alderman Perez saw Paul and said oh hey Paul's here and everyone chuckled everyone knew his name um, and Paul gave a little a little wave and sat down and um, after the meeting was engaging with the alders and since then I've just noticed that Paul is always at the committee meetings and now in COVID times he's always on Facebook he's always making public comments and he always knows what's going on um, so we were really excited to interview Paul and look to know him yeah and we wanted to learn more about Paul because as Casey mentions um, he's an example of what it means to live the action-oriented civically engaged like bridge a city style life at least on an individual level and despite holding no official role in government or the public sector Paul's presence at council meetings and public hearings is as Casey mentioned near constant now Paul is retired and for reasons he shares in the interview spends much of his time lobbying local government to stop the war on drugs In our time together, we don't get too much into the history or the policy minutiae of the war on drugs, but in the show notes, we included some ways to connect with Paul, read his writing, and of course, watch him in action at local government meetings. Paul serves as an example of someone who continues their engagement after the protests are over, after the petitions are signed, and the media coverage wanes. And while we don't all have the capacity to put in the time and effort that is necessary to fulfill this role, as a society, we rely on Paul and others like him to hold our electeds accountable. In this interview, we introduce Paul, learn more about his life, and how he is making a difference, just as all of us can, in local politics. Before we pass the mic to Paul, we want to remind you that if you want to stay up to date for how you can best get involved in your Milwaukee community, subscribe to Bridges City from wherever you get your podcasts uh, to get new episodes dropped into your feed regularly. If you like what we're doing and want to support us beyond just listening, consider also becoming a patron of ours on Patreon. And without further ado, here's Paul. My name is Paul Mozina. I'm a 63-year-old dude, and I've, I've had a few life experiences. And probably what what is most relevant of those experiences for this particular interview is my experience with the war on drugs from the time I discovered cannabis when I was 15 and got into a whole mess of trouble. And uh, fortunately, my parents were there to to uh, to keep me out of the uh, the, the judicial system. But I sure have witnessed uh, a lot of people getting um, caught in, in the, uh, the legal system and, to, and, and having their lives ruined. 
and that it's made an indelible impression on me. I mean, I grew up, I, I, I watched the war on drugs progress and I, I know the harm it's causing. And, and that's, that's my motivation today uh, is to talk to people about it, educate people about it. Let's look at the, uh, the damage. Let's, look, let's, let's have a conversation about uh, what this is doing to us uh, as a people. And uh, that's what's really motivating me. Paul, you are often spotted at council meetings at the city and county level. And we mentioned off air that after undergoing cancer treatment and trying from the DNR, you really took up a role in local politics at the city um, and the county, but still as a civilian after your retirement. Um, would you consider yourself an unofficial watchdog for Milwaukee's municipal and county government? Well, I, 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 I am a watchdog. I, I'm keeping my eye on it, and, and I'm, I'm uh, more than just watching. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to insert myself in the conversation without having a, any. I'm not part of a group, and I'm not elected. But I have found that there are avenues um, via which you can make your voice heard, and and going to the meetings is the first step. And uh, I I enjoyed going to as many common council committee meetings and, and county board meetings as I could and meeting the people face to face and taking the opportunity to get in their shoes and, and see what's important to them because I want them to pay attention to what's important to me. And I find that dialoguing with them and, and, and being interested in, and appreciating the challenges that they have on their plates, it helps me frame my requests, my asks of them in, in a context that I hope is understandable. And I've taken advantage of, of the uh, opportunities to make public comments at many meetings. Uh, the, for, for example, the city of Milwaukee has a Legistar system where all the meetings are on a calendar system. And, and each, each agenda item has a corresponding file on the Legistar system. So I've attached my comments and I take the time to study the issues and, and submit comments that my first uh, real um, opportunity there, I got the attention of Alderman Donovan, and uh, and 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 bless his heart, he invited me to speak uh, to the Public Safety um, Committee when he was still the chair, and I was talking about um, the war on drugs. I, so that was my first chance of as a, as a, just someone off the street getting in front of of a committee at the common council level and getting a chance to sit at the table and address them. And I'm I'm watching and I'm doing. And I'm and I'm projecting my opinion out there, and I'm trying to influence their decisions. And so, yeah, I was first introduced to you. I think this is the first time that we've met. But the first time I was introduced to you, I was at a community and economic development committee meeting, and there was some dialogue um, going on before the meeting started. And I think it was Alderman. Perez or one of the aldermen in, in the city of Milwaukee saw you in the crowd and they were like, oh, well, Paul Mazin is here. How are you doing, Paul? And everyone kind of <laughs> looked up. They all knew who you were. And as a civilian, that's just an interesting role to be in, right? Like we may know who our alder people are. They don't always know. Very rarely do they know all of us. Well, and, and on that note, uh, all the alders and, and I believe most of the county supervisors have emails, and I I blast out uh, emails to them as a group. And lately, um, I, well, I I played a role. I, I didn't do it my, by myself, but I did play a role in getting the fire and police commission to have official city of Milwaukee emails because mm -hmm. previously, uh, you really couldn't you didn't have a way of talking to them other than seeing them at a meeting, and wow. uh, there was issues with the executive director not forwarding uh, communications if you if. If I were to send an email to um, fpc at milwaukee.gov, 
and say, would you please forward this to the commissioners? They weren't getting forwarded. And I, and I, I kept pushing the issue. And, and eventually, uh, Griselda Alderete, the current executive director, did uh, make a move on that. And now all the commissioners have a government email. So I, I've been, lately, I've been sending communications out to, to the mayor all the alders, everybody on the Fire and Police Commission, and, and the city attorney. And they can't all ignore it. And with the changes with the uh, the COVID stuff, uh, it's it's just, it's it's not like it used to be. I mean, I would be at uh, common council meetings or, or county board meetings. And I'd be the only person in the audience that didn't work for the city or the county. And I, and I, I make an eye contact with them. I'm talking to people that are presenting, and I, and I catch them in the hall, and I say, what about this? What about that? And I, and I was collaring the alders and the, and the county board supervisors before and after the meetings, asking them questions and engaging with them. That's all gone now. It's, it's uh, this, this virtual um, – for example, the Fire and Police Commission is meeting tomorrow – and I, and I want to weigh in on the uh, asset forfeiture standard operating procedure that they're going to be uh, discussing. But they've decided that they're not going to have any public comments. Uh, you, you know, there's no technical reason why they can't, but they don't want to. They're not doing it. And uh, they're, they're not going to be, they won't even be letting people in the city hall. I guarantee you, and by about 4 or 4.30, they're going to be watching the door. They're not even going to let people in the building. Okay. And, and they're not going to be taking public comments. They're not. They're not uh, allowing people virtually to comment. It's it's wrong. It's very wrong. And and whereas the Common Council uh, and I take my hat off to um, uh, Alderwoman Marina Dmitrievich, who has just uh, been a uh, really powerful and positive impact on the Common Council. You know, she set the tone by by welcoming people to participate in the public comments. And, and in fact, when on June 25th, when, when uh, Ms. Alderete's uh, uh, reappointment by the mayor to be the executive director came before the, the public safety committee, I reached out to the elder woman and I said, can, can, can you please make this open to the public? And she did. And, and there were numerous people that, that contributed. And it was, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can and I'm using, I'm leveraged, I'm submitting documents to all the interested people, and I'm getting my documents attached to Legistar. People aren't aware of that always. You can you can send a document to the city clerk, Jim Wasarski, and say, would you please attach this to the file for any issues that are coming before you, and, and send emails to these alders and, and reach out to them and, and try to make, just do the best you can, because this virtual world is it's requiring a, a different um tactic for um leveraging and, and so the, the level of civil discourse has really really gone down because of this um this covid it's nothing like it used to be but it makes me think paul so like you you mentioned earlier that you um you know you're not part of a group organization you're just a you're just a 63 year old dude kind of like doing this doing this on your own and following issues um, that are important to you, um, kind of on your own. And it makes me think like that does sound exhausting to kind of like do it on your own for, for so long. There's this term burnout, which is basically like you're kind of, you just have no like energy left to give to whatever cause you're fighting for issue you're fighting for just because you've done it so long. And it's just so both energy intensive 
and then emotionally draining. So you get burnt out. But you don't seem to get fatigued by this. You mentioned it's fun for you, it's energizing for you. Do you have like any kind of tips for someone who's like starting to feel those burnout? Oh, I don't know how long, much longer I can do this. I just kind of want to like turn my back on the world for a second because it's all just a little overwhelming. How would you recommend getting yourself out of that funk and getting back in the fight? Well, you know, that's a great question. And, and I did I did experience that in, in, in when 9-11 occurred. And I, I was I was on the streets for years trying to get people to pay attention to what happened with 9-11. And I just at a certain point, I just said, you know what? People just don't care. They just don't care what's happening to our society. And I, and I, I focused for, the, for 18 years out in the Kettle Moraine cutting buckthorn with a chainsaw. That's how I, that's how I coped with, with the frustration of trying to make change. And I drank. Uh, I smoked cannabis. I escaped reality completely. And, but I, I always had my – I always you know, kind of knew what was going on. I paid attention, but I couldn't deal with the um, – what I thought thought was uh, people just not wanting to face um, what was going on in our society, and and uh, but what gives me real strength though is is having principles. And even though I was uh, you know quote misbehaving, or, you know cutting buckthorn and drinking uh, G, you know Jack Daniels in the in the forest, that was uh, an escape in reality. I was still pain- I was studying at the same time. I know it sounds like a contradiction, but. I was trying to get my principles oriented. And then when I got cancer uh, in 2011, that was just like, okay, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know how much time I have left. I'm going to dedicate whatever time I have left to fighting for truth, fighting for what's right, trying to make some change. And, and I serve the truth. I, I seek the truth. I, I, I use um, reason, uh, the trivia method, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. To try to to un, to to come to an understanding of the truth, and and I serve the truth. So I'm standing on principles. I'm I'm standing on principles of human freedom. That's why I'm against the drug war. I don't want someone telling me what I can put in my body. I own my body, and so I I don't get fatigued because I I've been there and done that, and and uh, I I I wandered in the desert for forty years, and I got cancer, and I got my wake up call. And I don't know how much time I have left, and uh, I'm 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 totally uh, dedicated now to um, trying to raise awareness about uh, you know uh, spe- specifically about the war on drugs because I- I'm telling you, I- and I-, I mentioned this to-, to Casey on the phone that I-, I don't have any allies in the city that will stand shoulder to shoulder with me and say we need to prioritize stopping the war on drugs. I mean, people say we want they want to defund the police, they want to abolish the police. But yet we're, we're asking the police to enforce laws against consensual activity. And we're at, and we're at, you know, I could go off on a, on a, on a, a rant here, but I, I'm, I'm not getting fatigued, uh, Sam, to answer your question. I don't feel fatigued because of my past, what I've been through, and I, and I know my time is short here. And uh, I'm going to do whatever I can now to um, serve the truth and try to awaken people to – specifically the harms of the war on drugs. As we've seen 
maybe with COVID-19, with the Black Lives Matter movement, people are not incredibly happy with the government, with the regulations, with the laws, and how we're taking care of our citizens. And you mentioned you had this kind of coming out of the desert, right? But for so many people, that's happening now. And for myself, um, for many and myself included, this moment in history feels different. Does it feel different to you? Well, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't because I've, I've really studied history quite a bit and I have I've many historical, uh, old historical books and recordings. I, the founding fathers, I hate that expression, but those people were white supremacists, racist, horrible people. The, they were rich property owners. They took over this country and they immediately began taking everything, the genocide, the slavery. If you hear uh, Reggie Jackson speak, he'll talk uh, often about the systemic racism. These systems were put in place with the with the, the founding documents of this country and, and created systems that have, for hundreds of years, have disproportionately impacted people of color, the people of different nationalities. And it, it, it makes me sick. I'm, I, you know, and from my, my own personal life, I am, I, am, I am the beneficiary of white privilege because when I was growing up, I had both my parents there. I got into so much trouble. I was such a wild person. If I had been growing up on the north side of Milwaukee, like maybe missing my father because he was incarcerated for a drug crime or something, I would never have made it. I would have been caught in the in the in the in the court system in the in the judicial system. I would never have gotten that plum job at Northwestern Mutual, which is which has given me the cushion to retire, and I have a pension. I have I don't have a care in the world, okay. And it's because I had the benefits of growing up in Brookfield with mom and dad there to bail my skinny ass out when I got in trouble. I'm not fatigued. I'm highly motivated, and I. But by the same token, I don't have many allies, as I said earlier. I don't have and no alders or, or, or county supervisors or, or leaders in the community will stand shoulder to shoulder with me and say, you know, we do need to, to uh, talk about the war on drugs because of all the overdoses and all the crime and the mass incarceration. Why aren't we talking about this? Yeah, well, well, Paula, let's let's talk about it. So you, uh, way back in the beginning, um, when you were introducing yourself, you mentioned that um, you got in a whole mess of trouble, but your parents were there to like bail you out when you got in trouble, right? Um, right. Maybe I, I don't know if that's you know literally bail you out, but like you know metaphorically. Um, no, no, that's that's true. They were they were able to because I had both my parents there when the courts looked at my cases as a juvenile. They said, well. You know, just mom and dad will take care of it. Yeah. Okay. My my dad came to court one time uh, to to uh, to be there and, and and tell the judge he would take care of it. And you know, and and some some young people don't have that. Yeah. And 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 the courts look at them and say, you know what, you're we're going to send you to the you're you're going to go into the juvenile uh, system here. Well, so what I want to ask is, can you take us through um, in those kind of those early years or those adolescent early adult years of your of your, of your life? It sounds like what did you what did you receive? Um, what kind of like assistance did you receive? Uh, help that you received from um, from the people around you that um, made a difference and like made it so that you um, you know had a like had a productive life and were able to like flourish um, and get well, that. That's a great at, question. Uh, Northwestern I, Mutual it, and all that. Well, I uh, when I was when I was twenty, I was I was going to UWM. I was going to be an engineer like my dad, 
but I just, my heart wasn't in it. And, uh, I, I, someone gave me a guitar at a party and I was probably intoxicated and I was like, you know what, I want to be a guitar player. And so I bought a guitar and I spent the next eight years of my life playing guitar all day, every day. I got into a cocktail lounge band and I played on the clubs for five years and, and just, I, I was just, uh, 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 what, how can I say this? I was going down the wrong path. I was really destroying myself and, and my reputation. I was just, I was wild. And, um, I, my dad, I my, he called me one night and, and I, I, you know, we didn't talk that much and he called me and, and, you know, said, what's going on? You know, and, and he talked me into, uh, you know, rebooting, so to speak and restarting. And then I had two of my brothers loan me money. I got Pell grants. So at, at 28, I went back to UWM and got my IT degree. And because my record was clean and because I was had a, you know, I went to Pius High School and a white dude, I got the job at Northwestern. I'm telling you, it's, 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 you know, everybody doesn't get that same breaks that I got. And, uh, that's, that's how I, you know, that's how I was able to, to, to make it through. I, uh, uh, I, I did work hard. I worked extremely hard at my job and I was very successful at it, but, I got some breaks along the way that not everybody gets. Yeah. And would you say that your like approach to um, approach to the issue of war on drugs or just like advocacy in general, um, would you say it is more informed um, by, you know, your personal experience or more informed by like things you've read? And I'm, I'm sure it's like kind of a combination of the two, but um, I guess like how much does your personal experience kind of like fuel your activism versus like just general knowledge about the about the world? Well, it, it is a combination, and, and I have studied the, the history of the war on drugs in, in great detail from the opium, the British opium wars, uh, foisting uh, heroin on the Chinese. And, and in my own personal experience, I, I, I've met people that have been uh, victims of collateral damage of the war on drugs, and I've, I've watched them become, be incarcerated. I've watched their children s- struggle and fall into uh, the wrong company, and, and in turn, be incarcerated. I've seen the generational damage that the war on drugs is doing. And, and let's face it, they, the, the war on drugs has been focused in the black community. And, and this has been going on for 50 years. So you're talking about three generations of, of an aggressive law enforcement effort in a, in a specific community decapitating them. You know, just because somebody did some cocaine or did some weed or whatever, I did all that stuff doesn't mean you're a bad person but if but if you get ensnared in that and, and and if the net if they're constantly fishing in your neighborhood so to speak it it's it's super destructive and that if and if the father or mother is incarcerated the young people they might not have a place to stay their educations are interrupted their ability to earn income and, and it's and you know it's just it's it's just a, a cascading negative effect on people's lives and so i've seen it and so it's visceral for me to um uh it makes me very upset and angry that we continue down this path of irrationally thinking that that by the laws by arbitrarily writing down on a piece of paper that you can you can you can't smoke cannabis here but you can smoke it in illinois and we think we're going to continue to enforce laws against cannabis here yeah. And then Paul, so the last question is the question we ask every guest is that, you know, better than I would say, you know, 99% of people in Milwaukee, how, how local government works. Um, and both like, uh, you know, officially how it works, and then also like kind of the politics behind it. Um, so 
I, I want to ask you if are there what are some action steps our listeners can take to get involved in um, any issue that you've that you've touched on today um, or you know just get involved generally in their city government um, what's a good like first step someone can take or either a good first step someone can take or like a good action step to take right now on an issue that's happening um, currently uh, well I I, I would suggest that the, the first step is to find out what's important to you. You have to, you have to know what your principles are. You cannot engage in, in a public forum without knowing what your principles are before you start. Mm. Why are you there? Yeah. Why are you doing what you're doing is the most important uh, uh, first step. And then pick an issue that you feel you can make a difference on. And I've, I've heard some of your previous guests make the same point. Uh, uh, Reggie Jackson made this point, pick an issue that you feel like that, that is really important to you and focus on it and, and then look for opportunities to influence on that particular issue. And, and that may involve uh, going back historically and, and looking at what well, has the common council debated this issue or, or going back and uh, going on, I go to the um, Wisconsin state legislation, legislature, legislature, uh, the website I look at, I look at state laws. I look at the um, I, I've studied the, uh, the city of Milwaukee's website in detail to look and see what's there. There's the, the amount of information available on the city of Milwaukee's website. is just, it, it's just, it's tremendous. So whatever it is, whether it's housing, whether it's education, uh, job opportunities, um, uh, development in the city, the, the safe roads, uh, the port, the, the water, the river, whatever it is that you're interested in, there is a wealth of, of information available to you to study and then pick an issue, study it, and then re- start communicating to the pe- the powers that be that can influence that can actually make change, and and put your ideas out there and just be per- and be persistent, just be sincere, be persistent, be reasonable, and 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 and, and do your best, you know. Um, and you have to care. People have to care enough to sacrifice their personal time. Like, you know, it it takes quite a bit of effort and I, I'm, I'm in a position where I don't have uh, family responsibilities. I don't have any children. I don't have to work. I have, I, I, so it's, it's maybe it's easy for me to say, yeah, just, you know, uh, focus on this or that, but people need to look, carve out some time if you have an important issue and, and do the grant, do the grammar, logic and rhetoric, put the, do the, ask the, what Rudyard Kipling said, I have six uh, wise men that I take with me everywhere. Their names are who, what, where, why, and when, and how. Those are the six questions you need to ask on any important issue that's before you. And, and go through a process like the trivium, lot, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. You know, and, and, and so that you can have a sense that what, you're, that what you're saying is true. You have to be able to know, am I right or wrong here? How do I, how do I determine whether I'm right or wrong? by having a systematic way of looking at information and processing it. So it's gathering information, processing it, picking an issue that you feel strongly about, and then taking action. Thank you again to Paul Mazina for joining us. We had a great time learning more about one of Milwaukee's own. And if you like what we're doing, consider becoming a patron of ours on patreon.com backslash bridge to city at the 414 level. We're all still volunteers here and supporters like you are what keeps this going. And if you like what you hear and you have suggestions on who we should interview or what topics we should cover, give us a shout. As always, let us know how you are helping bridge the city.